So I'm glad to be with you guys worshiping today and getting to discuss things that I've studied and learned throughout the week. Um, there is something that we should desire that maybe we haven't been thinking about a lot. There is uh, one thing we should probably be adding to our prayer list. We should be praying for spiritual gifts. You know, sometimes we're like, man, Lord, just bless my socks off. And probably we could just take our socks off anyway. But uh, a lot of times we don't think about, man, I should be really praying for God to make me a better minister or a better this spiritually. Uh, but before I get too far um, on the subject, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for allowing us to come together. Thank you for allowing us to be able to worship without any persecution. I just pray as I speak that I only convey the message you want me to give. I pray that you fill us up with your Holy Spirit and bring things to the surface that we need to work on as we become more and more like you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So let's start with our main verse, which is found in 1 Corinthians 12, 30, or 27 through 31. And when you find it, please stand for the reading of God's word. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, of different kind of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. You may be seated. As you can see, we are supposed to desire these gifts. Also, we can see that even though we have the Spirit of God, it doesn't mean that we have every gift. We are supposed to be actively going after these gifts. So let's go over some of the gifts of the Spirit. Number one, the gift of being an apostle. These are those that God has chosen to lead and be the heads of the church. Apostle in the Greek means the sent ones. And Jesus chose 12 apostles from his students, or what we call disciples. These original apostles were special unlike anything we see here in the States. They were gifted in so many different ways, having so many different spiritual gifts. Um, apostles were ambassadors for God. And early on, they were sent out to the ends of the earth to start churches. Gifts of the Spirit, number two, prophets. Prophets are those who convey a message from God or teach the Word of God. Some people have a gift of hearing God in a special way. This can happen in dreams and visions, as it says in Acts 2, 17 and 18. In the last days, 
God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those last days, or in those days, and they will prophesy. When this verse says all people, it means all kinds of people. Not everyone will have the gift of prophecy. I personally have had it happen to me once in my life where I had a dream, because I'm an old man, about someone and then it came true. But I wouldn't consider myself to have the gift of prophecy. I do believe there are still some out there that have this gift. And I actually know a lady um, who has shown this gift a few times. A prophet also can be described as someone who teaches the Word of God. But most of the time, you hear the word prophecy, it's not used in this way. But you can see that this one word can describe two different spiritual gifts. Because you can have the gift of teaching or not have the gift of hearing God through some kind of supernatural or miraculous way. And the other way around as well. Spiritual gifts number three, miracles. Once again, any of us can pray and have a miracle happen, but Paul describes miracles as a gift of the Spirit. Someone can excel in this gift. And as you could see, the early apostles really had that gift as you read through there and see all the miracles that they've done. Spiritual gift number four. Paul describes healing as a separate gift than miracles. So when you say, I don't need someone to pray for me because I already prayed to God myself, you should also think about how God gives some people the ability to heal over others. Spiritual gifts number five, speaking in tongues. One example of this is in Acts 2, 4 through 6. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were, staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them heard their own language being spoken. Sometimes people are given the gift to communicate in another language that they have never learned. Also, Paul speaks about speaking in the tongues of angels, which also can be considered tongues. Um, This isn't a gift that I've personally experienced, but I have talked to people who have had this gift. And it's a little bit different because it's not like a language from a man. It's not like a learned language that you, you, you could get from somebody else. But as Paul describes it, it's an intimate language between you and God, which also brings us to the next gift of the Spirit. The gift of the Spirit, uh, number six, interpretation. God gives the gift of interpretation so that we can understand what the person who was speaking in the tongues of angels is talking about. Paul also instructs these people not to speak inside tongues 
or speak in tongues in church unless somebody has that ability to interpret. Gifts of the Spirit, number seven, being an encourager. There are those people in the church who have the job of encouraging people. To say uplifting thanks to people when they're down or feeling depressed. This is one of those vital gifts of the Spirit that often gets overlooked. Gifts of the Spirit, number eight, giving. Some people have the ability not to attach, them things, attach themselves to the things of the world beyond the ability of a normal person. They can live on very little and get energized just seeing other people get things. Spiritual gift number nine, leading. Some people have a spiritual gift of leading, whether it's projects or in charge of different church events. Um, usually I'm not described as this because those people are usually gifted at being organized. They know how to, as they say, get, their, get the aces in their places. Spiritual gifts number 10, being merciful. Some people really excel in not taking things personally and just really having an understanding for those who mess up. These people are usually really, really hard to offend. Spiritual gifts number 11, serving. Some people have the gift of serving. It's the gift of being a workaholic. The gift where you don't need attention for serving. You just want to take care of people. It's likely you won't hear from these people, why isn't this person doing this instead of me? They will just jump right in and do whatever. These are just some gifts of the Spirit listed in the Bible. This list is more of a generalization used to get you to think about what your gifting is. The things that I have said are not a concrete way to identify your purpose or your gifts. All of these gifts, though, are important, as it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 20 through 26. There are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable, we treat with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body. But the parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. In other words, we need all parts of the body. We need someone to preach like we need someone to encourage each other. 
We need people that are merciful just as much as we need someone who can do a miracle. We are supposed to be eager to receive these gifts. If we have a gift, we should be eager to use those gifts. There is this sense that we have to maintain the fire or the passion that God gives us, as it says in 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7. For this reason, I remind you to fan the flame, the gift of God, which is in you through the laying of my hands. For the Spirit of God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. We need to make sure the gifts and the power of the Spirit don't die out. We are supposed to be using our gifts. Christians aren't supposed to be spectators. We aren't lone rangers. We are a part of this big, perfect plan that God has. His plan is to give people gifts of the Spirit to use for His perfect purposes. As it talks about in 1 Peter 4, 10, and 11, each one of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms, if anyone speaks, they should do it as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Maybe you're not sure what your role is in God's perfect plan. Well, neither was Moses. I could be wrong, but I think Moses may have been the first apostle. When God called Moses, how did he react? This is found in Exodus 3, 7 through 10. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land of the good, or bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to the Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So we can see how God called Moses to be an answer for the Israelites' prayers. Have you ever thought what you are supposed to do could be an answer to someone's prayer? The Israelites are being abused and they are crying out to the Lord. And the Lord answers, answers them by sending Moses. He was to lead them out of bondage. This was his initial calling, but as a lot of us know, Moses did a whole lot more. He ends up being their prophet. 
He ends up being their judge and ambassador for God. He was the one who gave the law to God's people through God. So what was Moses' response? Well, we continue on Exodus 3.11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to the Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Then Moses also responds, same conversation, this whole thing's the same conversation. In Exodus 4.1, Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? Moses also responds in 4.10. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant. Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past or nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow to speech and tongue. I didn't go through all the verses, but God gives him an answer to all his questions and gives him good solutions. To all his problems. But then Moses still comes back and responds in Exodus 4, 13 and 14. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send somebody else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. Man, that's a tough spot to be in. And he said, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well, and he is already on his way to meet you. And he will be glad to see you. I know it is easy where we are in history to say, well, why didn't Moses commit? I mean, this was a big deal to become a prophet of God and a leader of Israel. There's a lot of frustrations and responsibilities that come with that position. If you read Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, you will find some of the frustrations that Moses dealt with. I'm sure there were many times Moses wanted to quit. Moses kept trying to get out of his calling. And anyone who has read the whole story knows God doesn't make mistakes on who he calls. God could have chose someone who speaks very well. He could have chose someone who was excited about being chosen. God chose someone he knew he could count on. As it says in Numbers 12, 5 through 8, Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud. He stood at the entrance of the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When the two of them stepped forward, he said, Listen to my words. When is there a prophet among you? I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face. Clearly, not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Look where Moses ended up. Are we constantly asking God? What am I supposed to be doing? Am I saying I don't feel called to do something because of the sacrifices I would have to make? Am I afraid of my calling like Moses? 
Do I have a lack of faith like Moses did when he first was called? What is, you, what is stopping me from using my gifts to serve God? If we want to be faithful like Moses, we have to decide. We have to say, yes, I will do what you have called me to do, whatever that takes. Moses didn't start out with this as an awesome leader of God, but he did end up that way. Where will we be in five years? Are we committed each and every day to become more and more like Jesus? Can we look at our lives and say, the way I am living is going to make me more like Jesus? Are we content to never grow? Our wish should be desiring the gifts of the Spirit so we can use them for the kingdom of heaven and to help each other. As a body of Christ, this church needs everyone pursuing their gifts. The church was never designed for 10 to 50% of the people to do everything. And I get that sometimes in seasons of life where we are hurting or for some other reason we're not able to serve like we would want to. I've been there. But overall, we are connected to Jesus by what we do. We are a part of Jesus' body by what we do spiritually. In closing, let's pray and seek the gifts of the Spirit. Let's pray and seek what part of God's body we are supposed to be. Let's not be like Moses and make excuses to the point of God's anger burning against us. Maybe some are like Moses and they are called to do things they don't want to do. But maybe God is stretching you to fit a position that you're not comfortable with. Let's be like Moses who fulfilled his calling whether we like it or not. Let's be like Moses who was faithful to God for over 40 years as he led the Israelites. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for your word to give us examples on how to serve you. I just pray as we get out of here that we would seek you. And if we've already been put in a position, that you would help us do that with fervent, that we would fan the flame of the gift that you give us, that we would go all in. I pray for the people out there who haven't found their, what their purpose is in the body, that they would seek it daily, praying, Lord, show me where I fit in here. I want to serve you in, in the best of the abilities that you give me and the grace that you give me. Also, I pray for this whole congregation that your spirit would pour on them, giving them gifts that we would excel in the gifts of the spirit and make this church like the radiant bride that you wish them to be, including myself. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.